Okay, do it one more time then. No, it's fine. You have it like six times. We'll do it one more time. Please stay tuned for a special message after this episode. Please stay tuned for a special message after this episode. I want to bring our guest up. Come on up. Tell you a little bit about her. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Stephanie Peralt. Am I saying that? Perot. Perot. Sorry. Is an experienced storyteller and communicator with 10 years of experience in communication industry. She's worked with as a content writer, movie reviewer, uh, managing editor, and wanted uh, wanted to be more available to her husband and now four daughters. Wow, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm an Arizona native, born and raised here, um, spent my early career in corporate communications and journalism, and in the process of that had our first three daughters, and uh, kind of hit that wall that a lot of women hit in having a frustration with wanting to be with their family and then still trying to do the, the career track. So I decided to step out of my job as a managing editor at the East Valley Tribune to start my own business. And that began a whole new journey and a whole new set of challenges that I had no idea of. But it gave me that freedom to be with my family, which was fabulous. So I've been on that journey since then. So you left the corporate world. And so how's that journey been? What roadblocks have you faced since leaving corporate America, uh, being a mother, uh, entrepreneur? So what roadblocks have you faced? That is a great question. Um, so I would say one of the biggest roadblocks as an entrepreneur is the learning curve is so steep. You come out of a very structured, very uh, set environment where people kind of, you know what's expected, you know what your job is, you have targets to hit and quotas, and then you go into the entrepreneur world and it's just a free-for-all. You have to set all your own boundaries, your own goals, you have to be your own best cheerleader, and to have to educate yourself all at the same time. So it's a, it can be very overwhelming, but it's exciting and it's um, yeah, energizing. So share with me. So how did you get over those obstacles, though? So I'm, I'm an entrepreneur as well, and I won't even talk about the statistics and how many entrepreneurs don't make it, right? And why do you think, first of all, why do you think on young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general don't make it? And how did you overcome those roadblocks and stay in business? 
Um, I think one of the biggest things is having a community of people around you that are supporting what you do. I would say my husband has been fabulous and encourages me. You're listening to a clip from a new podcast we're working on. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to call it. I think we're going to call it The Stories Are True with Coach JV, but I'm not really sure if it takes care or complements the JV brand as well as we would like. We're technically still working out the details, trying to see if we can get a sponsor to join on as a a branded sponsor, specifically Helton Brewing Company, which is a brewing company here that we do our networking event for JV Impacts every month. It's called the Motivation Mixer. If you join us on uh, Facebook at at Age of Radioheads, you'll be able to uh, check out that, uh, that event every time that it comes up. And if you're in the Valley, come and join us for a live podcast. We're trying to incorporate people going from ordinary to extraordinary. And I think that we're onto something with it. And the reason why we're doing it is because stories are awesome and we really enjoy sharing stories with people. And it's also vital to our business to make sure that we're, we're sharing our story with the world because at JV Impacts, our focus is to impact someone's life every single day. Um, well, without any support system at all? I would say trying to remember what is true about um, my goals, what I want to accomplish, how I want to serve the world. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. I'm the CEO of Age of Radio. I'm the company director for JV Impacts, and I work at a capitalist bank that one day I won't work for anymore, or one day I will make sure to change. I'm on a mission to change the great state of Arizona. This is The Age of Jeremy, episode 14, No Plan, No Money. I want to thank everyone that has supported me with the death of my little hamster, Furry. She passed away on April 25th, 2018. I came home late from JV Impact's motivation mixer that I was just telling you about. And when I went to feed her, I found her dead. She must have died in her sleep. And uh, I decided to bury her in front of the tree out front. I believe in direct burial, and in Buddhism, we believe in what's called dependent origination and interconnectedness, and essentially it's saying that we're all connected, and I think it's better that the bugs eat her body as she decomposes, and then that way she goes back to the circle of life, like uh, in The Lion King. Again, I want to thank everybody for their support. And then also make sure to follow Age of Radio on Facebook and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Age of Jeremy. Before I go into what I wanted to talk about, I want to remind everyone of a few items. If you have a podcast and want to access access to our network, it's absolutely free. Just go to ageofradio.org, click the syndicate link, and shoot us your information. Also, if you have database science experience, RSS experience, PHP experience, C++ experience, and or Java skills, make sure to send me an email at jeremy.quintanilla at ageofradio.org. We're working on our very own Age of Radio podcast hosting platform, and I'm looking to get it up by the end of 2019, hopefully sooner. Um, But I lost some time this week with Furry and trying to figure out how I want to finish out the season of Age of Jeremy. Again, hit me up at jeremy.quintanilla, that's Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-I-L-L-A, at ageofradio.org. The other thing that I wanted to mention that were kind of, um, that kind of got us um, a little behind on some of our podcasts is we uh, actually have um, got some licensing from a record company called Mutant League, 
uh, records. They gave us the ability to use all of the songs on their um, in their catalog that they have the rights to, um, which is really, really amazing. And I'm trying to work with their founder, Nate, to see if it's possible that we can add them as a sponsor on our website and then to uh, give them some shout outs, maybe have me wear some some Mutant League stuff or uh, John Vasquez wore some Mutant League stuff uh, when we do some of our, our posts and pictures. Again, it's a DIY record label and it's a punk record label. So we really want to make sure that uh, the relationship works and what we're trying to do with our company uh, kind of fits with what they're trying to do with their company. So I'm waiting to uh, hear back from him on that. And then another great thing that we're working on is I'm working trying to get Victory Records, which is a... a, a, a kind of a more famous, I guess, uh, record label that's been around, I believe, since the the early 90s. They signed bands like uh, Taking Back Sunday and um, Hawthorne Heights and Atreyu um, in the, the late 90s and the early 2000s. And they got really, really famous around that time, the record label did. And essentially, um, we're working with them to see if we can get some licensing because we want to incorporate some of their songs into this show and to some of the other shows that we've got going on, which is one of the other reasons why I haven't been able to get this episode out um, to or in the time frame that I wanted to. You know, we talk about in business that it's important to stay consistent with what you're doing so that people always understand when things are coming out so they they know that they're coming out. And we're supposed to be having this podcast come out every other Tuesday and the Bones on Sports podcast come out in between those Tuesdays. And it's just not happening right now um, because of that. And then also, I am... Um, as you know, I guess I'm an overachiever. I don't consider it an overachiever. I consider it just an achiever. But essentially, I work for a, well, not work for, but I'm on a board for a nonprofit that I believe highly in called Junior Achievement of Arizona. And essentially, they do, uh, they, they, they build curriculums that you teach in the school from K through 12th grade um, to help kids learn about entrepreneurship, work readiness, uh, and financial literacy. So this week we do what are called JA days at the bank that I work at, where we find volunteers from the bank and we go teach a curriculum to a specific grade level for the entire day. So I've been kind of, I kind of got behind on that, but but again, being part of the the board and and being at the strategic level of a nonprofit, that's one of the. I guess my focal points to get to where I want to be at in life. And it's something that I highly encourage people to do. I was listening to a great quote, this or a a YouTube video about building a private family foundation this week. And I heard a really, really good quote. And essentially that quote was uh, that the definition of charity is the understanding that every, that you came into this world with nothing and that you'll leave with nothing. And when you really understand that it kind of brings a new meaning and a new light to being able to give back. And, and that was kind of his, his definition of charity. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, go into a little bit about what I wanted to talk about on, on this episode. Um, one of the things that uh, I want to talk about is that uh, a lot of people, when they start businesses, we, we hear this all the time, especially now that we have uh, about 40 or 50 clients with JV Impacts, and JV Impacts is starting to, to really start to grow and build a brand for itself here in Mesa, Arizona, and in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And so we hear a lot of times from the clients that we're working with that they want to quit their job and start a business like John Vasquez did. And John Vasquez had the means to do that because he was a president for, for the same bank that I work at. And 
And essentially, you essentially people have this concept where they have a genius idea that's going to turn them into a millionaire, and it, it technically probably will, and that's great. And and frankly, I, I really say go for it. But but there are some lessons that I've learned, and it, it's sometimes not better really to jump and really to start it as a side hustle, kind of like like I do with this. And I don't know if you can hear that, but that's Bane of barking in the background, or maybe it's Kylo. I don't know. I wasn't paying too close of attention to it, but one of the dogs are barking in the background. Um, but before I, I go into this, I want you to hear this clip. Um, this is from uh, Robert Kiyosaki. So in contrasting them, most of us have heard like my poor dad, very middle-class man, I mean, smart man, but he had middle-class ideas when it came to money and values. And he always said, son, our house is an asset and it's our largest investment. And my rich dad would say, here, I'm nine years old. I go, okay, I got it, dad, I got it, right? And then I would go over to my rich dad's house and I would say, my dad just said, our house is an asset and our largest investment. And my rich dad would say, well, that's why your old man's not rich is because your house is not an asset. And if it's your largest investment, you're in really big trouble. And that's when the, you know, the contrast that started to hit me. And then my poor dad always said, do you think money grows on trees? And his favorite words were, you know, I'd say, Dad, let's buy this. He goes, I can't afford it. And my rich dad said he forbade his son and I from ever saying the words, I can't afford it. He said, the moment you say you can't afford something, you know, it becomes true. So the power of the spoken word or your, your thought has the ability to become what you think is real in the world. So if you say, I can't afford something, that becomes your real world or reality. And what my rich dad said instead was, instead of saying, I can't afford it, simply say, how can I afford it? Or in school, a lot of times, with, you know, I'd say, hey, dad, guess what? I'm going to be a millionaire. He goes, you can't do that. And my rich dad said, never say you can't do something. Ask yourself, how can I do it? And he said, and just in the switching of those words, if you say, how can I afford it? Your mind opens up to the possibility. And your mind then has to go to work. This is your single most powerful tool you have is the brain. But if you say, I can't afford it, then the thing goes to sleep and it sits there, goes dormant, and doesn't have to do any more work. You're just you the one who's doing the work then. So those are some of the subtle you know, differences. My Poor dad, the school teacher always, so the head of education always said to me, says, son. So Robert Kiyosaki is the author of a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I'm sorry, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read it uh, when I was in my 20s. I think I was working at a company called uh, Pearson. They do um, curriculums for school, uh, for educate, like uh, the book curriculums. And they also do some other government contracts, I think. And I I read it (coughs) while I was working there, excuse me. And from an academic perspective, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's not really very accurate. But if you want inspiration, I think that you should really give it a read. However, I like the part of how can I? And that's the most important question in business. You really have to change your thinking. Now, for me, I believe I'm already wealthy. Uh, Again, I dropped out of high school when I was 16 to play music. I come from one of the worst parts of Phoenix, a little place called the Maryville. And uh, the fact that I that I own a home now, we have two dogs, two tortoises. I have a really good salary. I have audio equipment, music equipment. Um, I've taken a cruise out of the country. I, I really feel that I'm a literal testament of what can happen in a capitalist society. 
when when I was in my 20s, I I didn't say that I don't have these things. I never said I can't do this. I always said, how can I get to where I want to get to? You know, I think it, it's funny. I I make this joke that most of my money I'm going to try to give back to to the world. You know, I, wa- I really want to to leave a legacy um, rather than just gain a shitload of wealth. And that legacy piece of it, um, I always talk to one of my my coworkers at work, and I always tell them how I really, really want a plane. Um, and, and the purpose of the plane is to be able to travel to the places that I want so I can do business better. And I think that that's one of the, the, the things that sometimes people don't understand about um, wealthy people as opposed to unwealthy people or as opposed to, to, to average wealth, is that the things that they do or the things that they try to do, you do them so you can you can provide yourself more time because your time's spent better spent on certain things. And that's really one of the aspects that that I do want my own plane, especially when I, we start doing international business with some of these companies. But the point is, is that usually I just, you know, we're just joking around about the things that we want. But but the the point that I'm trying trying to make is I don't I don't sit here and say that that can't happen. I sit here and say, okay, how can I t- get from where I'm at, and how can I get to that, or how can I build a family foundation, uh, a family private foundation, a charitable foundation that's going to leave leave a legacy and something that I can pass on to my nieces and my nephews and my family and my wife's family um, after we're gone. So it's really about it's really about changing your mindset from how can I do something? So how can I get out of this situation that I'm at? How can I get my bachelor's degree? How can I get my master's degree? How can I get my doctorate, which one day I hope to get? But, but you know, one of the things that the fact that this is, this is a capitalist society, capitalist society thinking, is that my biggest question for me is how can I make this easier for other people to achieve this? As you all know, I hate capitalism. You know, I, I personally believe that there's a better way for us to do things. How can we find that better way? And I want to change the world, not just have a ridiculous amount of money, but to do the things that I want to do. And for some of you to do the things that you want to do, even if you have really altruistic motives behind what you're trying to doing or what you're trying to do is you do need money. And that's the reason I started October Revolution Corporation, so I can build businesses that essentially build wealth, that then I can go and tackle those those difficult problems in the world, like why do we still have poverty in the United States? Why do we still have unclean water in the United States? Why is there still unclean water around the world? Why do some people have you know poverty? Why is diabetes still a thing? Why is HIV still a thing? But to get that, you need to have money. And after you realize this, that's how or sorry, once you realize that you need to change your mindset of thinking to go from I can't to how can I, that's when you can really start growing and solving the problems in your life and achieving more. And I've learned some lessons and I want to share those lessons with you. But first, let's have a quick break. Learning to Curse is a podcast that goes deep and hard on topics such as ghosty ghosts, ubernatural, and the paranormals. If you like jokes and skeptics, talking seriously about weird shit, then Learning to Curse is the podcast for you. Oh yeah, for you. And you over there. And you. And your mom. I'm not Chuck. I'm not Adam. Join us every Sunday for Learning to Curse with Adam and Chuck. So the first lesson that I learned is you have to think in first principles. A first principle is a basic, fundamental, 
self-evident proposition or assumption that cannot be deduced from any other proposition or assumption. So really, what the fuck does that mean? Well, essentially what it means is we usually base, or humans usually base their ideas and practices on analogies or on precedents. So when we learn from what other people do, we're only going to do what other people have done. So first principles is really about boiling things down to their truths and then reasoning up from there. So let's kind of take Age of Radio Syndicate hosting site. So Age of Radio is the name of this company. Um, Age of Radio Syndicate is the name of our podcast network and everything that goes along with building that kind of network. Creating a podcast hosting site isn't that difficult. YouTube has tons of videos on how to use PHP to create um, the access point to a database so people can have their own, own specific portion of your site, such as you would see if you log into a membership site or a subscription site. However, if I learn how PHP works with JavaScript, how it works with data science, um, I can look at the bigger problems with podcast hosting, um, the problems with analytics, uh, and I can solve those problems. There are a lot of different different companies out there that offer hosting, but really what I want to learn how to do is how to capture the data that's provided by the, the people that are, that, that are giving you information for their SS feed, sorry, for their RSS feed, and then also to, to find out the data that can be taken from their listeners, from the audiences, and then find a way to make, find a way to um, ca- and capture what it might be that they're interested in listening to in the future, and then creating those types of experiences for them. And, but if I do what others do, I'm only going to solve what others have solved. Another example of first principles is rockets. Elon Musk taught himself rocket, rocket science. So while doing this, he, while, while he was learning the rocket science, essentially, he went to NASA and said, what's the biggest problem that you have? The biggest problem is with rockets. So essentially, the rocket takes off, it pushes the shuttle out into orbit, and the rocket explodes. So every shuttle we send up, we have to use another rocket. Elon Musk created a reusable rocket. Personally, I think this is the greatest accomplishment of this century. Um, others may disagree, but whatever the case is, that's a good example of first principles. So why was he able to do it? Was it the technology existed now? Maybe. Um, or maybe it's the fact that he didn't try to do what other people had done. He said, what's the problem? Learn the truths about that specific um, topic. So rocket and rocket science. And then was able to build his um, build up from there and then be able to create a reusable rocket. The second lesson is you have to define your mission and you have to build a culture around it from the beginning. So essentially the culture of Age of Radio is this. Here's the mission statement. Age of Radio shapes the universe by providing products and services for individuals and companies to share their stories. We believe that every person and brand has a story to share and we want to help them share that story through podcasting and other innovative outlets. We do this with four core brands. We do it with Syndicate, we do it with Branded, we do it with Mercury, and we do it with Nine. That's the Age of Radio mission statement. This mission guides us through everything we do. Syndicate is our network, our hosting, our soon-to-be, well, hopefully eventually our our app on um, Google and iPhone. Um, 
Age of Radio Branded is the work that we do with governments, the work we do with corporations and nonprofits to create creative content for them to give to their audience. Uh, Age of Radio Mercury is our education and training division, and Age of Radio 9 is our audio software and hardware. And again, these aren't all these aren't all available right now, but these are the things that are guiding us in the activities and the actions that we do every quarter. And if we consistently focus on these things and grow with them and do a feedback loop to find out if they're working or how we can get better at them, our company will eventually grow and eventually start gaining revenue or generating revenue, I guess would be a better way to say it. So your mission doesn't have to be as elaborate as this. For example, the mission for JV Impacts, which is becoming one of the most successful fitness companies here in Arizona, um, is, <laughs> is really simple. So the mission of JV Impacts is to impact someone's life every day. That's it. Nothing elaborate. To impact someone's life every day. That's very simple. But we focus that concept on everything that we offer through JV Impacts. So we do that through our 3T Fat Shredding membership, which you can go to um, www.jvimpacts.com. We do that through our virtual fitness training. We do that through our in-person fitness training. We do that through our books. We do that through the JV Impacts podcast. Hopefully, we'll do that through our new um, interviewing podcast, The Stories Are True, with Coach JV, um, and, and so on and so on. So as we grow as a business, we focus on that, that as long as we're impacting someone's life every single day, this was actually worth it. And because we focus on that to impact someone's life every day, um, I don't personally believe in God. John um, is a Christian and believes in God. Uh, I technically associate myself with Buddhism. Um, but whether you want to call it karma, God, the universe, whatever it is, we've done that one thing for the past seven months. And now we're a we're a, very, we're a profitable company and we're making money at it. And, and we're able to technically, both of us almost do that for a living now. So as long as you remember why you're doing it, you're going to be successful. And, and a good book that talks a lot about this that you may have heard of, um, that's uh, an inspirational book that I've read many, many times, listened to it many, many times. Lots of people recommend this book. It's a very easy read. It's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it's by Stephen Covey. And it goes into great length about mission statements. It will definitely get you thinking about what it's like for, like one of the exercises is to picture what your, you know, your funeral is going to look like and what people are saying about you and, and what you envision, what you smell, how it's being held. And you look at that and from that, you can create a mission statement about what your life purpose is going to be. And it doesn't really need to stop there. Your, your company should have a mission statement. Each division in your company should have a mission statement. You should have a personal mission statement. You should have a family mission statement, a marriage mission statement. Uh, you and your children should have a mission statement, what you want to leave for the world. Um, and it, it helps you really focus your life. And as a company, um, the company starts to take on a life of its own. And, and that's one of the things that a lot of people forget about and a lot of people don't talk about. And, and once you can do that, you can kind of kind of separate the business as, as a self-sustaining entity from you as an individual, which the bank that I work at um, gets into um, has been in a lot of trouble over the past couple of years from some practices that they shouldn't have been doing. And essentially, essentially that has nothing to do with the bank. 
as an entity. The bank actually has a very powerful mission statement. The bank has a very powerful brand and the bank is trying to do the right thing. Um, you just need to make sure that the people follow that mission statement and you build a real culture around it. And that's how your company can outlast you as a human being and go on into forever. The third lesson that I have learned, we're going to talk about right after this break. This is Jimmy SS Bones, where the extra S stands for extra sports. I'm the host of the Bones on Sports podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about hockey, we talk about football, we talk about baseball. We talk about anything happening in the sports world that I feel is relevant. I'll be releasing a podcast every two weeks. You can pick that podcast up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. So please join me on Bones on Sports. Okay, so the the third lesson that I've learned is measure a billion fucking times and cut once. So it comes from essentially measure twice, cut once, which is um, a saying for people that are in woodworking or in measuring and cutting stuff. And the point of it is, is that preparation is key. So with JV Impacts, you know, John's very active, action-focused. Jeremy, me, is very strategic-minded and kind of uh, kind of uh, fast-paced thinking and, and always want to strategize and get it just right before we do it. Um, we did a lot of trial and error with JV Impacts. And like I've said, the company's profitable now. We're, we're able to take distribution checks from the company and use that money. Um, and we actually became profitable in a really short amount of time. And there's really no look at slowing down because we're focusing on those first two things. We're looking at first principles and we have an amazing mission statement that we follow. But um, again, a lot of it was done with trial and error. I think that if we created a, a business plan before we did anything, it may have even come faster to us. So you, you want to make sure that you make a business plan that you review every year or maybe every other year and that you update it. I have a 22-page business plan um, for Age of Radio. It has complete projections with our different brands, how we're going to grow those brands, the different growth strategies, how much revenue we, we were supposed to have or what I think would be good revenue that we would have based off of my models. Um, it evaluates the company in case we need to get investors involved and what amount would get them what percentage of the company, which is a lot of shit that I learned in, um, in, in master school and in finance school or in business school while I got my finance degree. Um, again, it helps keep you on track. In fact, without it without it for Age of Radio, I don't think I would be moving forward at any rate whatsoever with Age of Radio. I, I do my 40 hours at the bank, sometimes 50 hours at the bank, depending on how excited I am for working at the bank. That week, I do 15 hours with John Vasquez. I do another 15 hours for Age of Radio. I, tr- I do, in between my job, probably about five hours during the week with Junior Achievement. Um, I'm trying to get more involved with Junior Achievement because I would like to move up to the to the state board of Junior Achievement of Arizona. Um, right now I'm on the Central Arizona board. Um, I really want to get in more involved with diabetes associations. Um, JV Impacts has a focus with Habitat for Humanity. John sits on that board. We're very involved with the community. We think that's really important. But, but I'm spending a, a lot of hours on a lot of stuff. So again, I put in about 80 hours a week on average. And again, I was focusing on 100 hours, but my mental clarity decreased a little bit with that that sleep. 
So without having that plan and inching forward, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten this far with Agent Radio. You know, we're finally able to talk to companies. I've been talking to, um, like I said, we're working on launching three shows. We're working on a fictional show that we're going to hopefully have out this year. It's going to take a lot of time and dedication. Um, I've, I've been in talks with two people that want to come onto the podcast syndicate. Hopefully I can um, get them to understand the importance of being part of a network, especially my network, because it, I obviously I'm biased. I believe it's better than any other podcast network. Um, but the point is, is that without that business plan, I wouldn't be moving forward at in any rate whatsoever. And you need to have a business plan. Um, unless uh, unless you're going to go with investors, you know, you're the only one that's going to see it. So be creative with it. I'm very creative with the stuff that I do. You know, it's for me. It's for me to get excited about. Um, a John Vasquez on the YouTube channel, the YouTube channel for JV Impacts, he did a really good video on vision boards. I mean, he's the only one that sees it, but we each have vision boards that have what we want to do with JV Impacts, what we want to have a do to do in our life. I know John Vasquez has a vision board with his wife, Lynette, um, in their, their bedroom. I have a personal vision board. Danielle and I kind of have a vision for our marriage and for our family. Um, but the point is, is that be creative with it. Be super creative with it. Um, a, a really good resource for businesses that want to write that business plan. Um, if you go to nolo.com, that's N-O-L-O. So um, November, Oscar, Lima, Oscar, Nolo. Dot com. Um, it's my go-to place for publications regarding business legalities, like writing business plans, learning about LLCs, uh, learning about bylaws, learning about operating agreements, and so on and so on. Um, they have a book called How to Write a Business Plan. I recommend reading it through a few times and then using the templates that they have to write your business plan. Then rewrite the business plan and then rewrite it maybe a few more times and make sure that you can speak to it if you're ever caught in a situation. Because I've been caught in a situation where people are like, oh, you know, what does Age of Radio do? And, you know, I just start spitting off a bunch of shit that no one really understands. And um, having that business plan kind of gets you an idea of where you're at, where you're going, what you're wanting to accomplish. And, and for me, you know, the businesses are important to live on long after I'm dead. So you want to be able to explain all of that when you're having conversations about it. So um, just just a, a great resource, nolo.com, N-O-L-O.com. Just to recap, real quick. So you need to change your thinking from I can't to how can I. Then before you do anything with your business, with your side hustle, whatever the fuck you want to call it, your grind, you want to understand first principles so look at everything as it is and then look as if nothing has been done to it before. Create a mission statement and then make that mission statement your culture and then prepare before you embark or measure twice, cut once. Use a business plan as a step-by-step -step guide for everything that you do. If you're listening to this in the morning, have a good afternoon. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, have a good evening. If you're listening to this in the evening, have a good have night. I've heard this one before. You just listened to the Age of Jeremy. If you can't get enough uh, Age of Radio podcast, head on over to our website at ageofradio.org. 
and make sure that you like us on Facebook at Age of Radio and make sure you join the kind of stagnant Age of Radioheads Facebook group. We want to thank Mutant League Records at MutantLeagueRecords.com for allowing us to use their songs. Our intro song was Chief's State Broken Eyes, and our closing song was Cry Wink, I'm a Cliche. Make sure you head on over to MutantLeagueRecords.com to check out all of their amazing artists. This episode was recorded using Zoom H6 and Audio Technica mics. Age of Jeremy uses Steinberg Cubase to mix and master. Rest in peace, furry daddy loves you. See you on the flip side. It won't make you any better Putting words over sounds I'm a cliche, I'm a boring cliche I'm a cliche, I'm a stupid cliche Bert Schreier was only 49 years old when he passed away this morning. His career spanned dozens of movies, but it was his role in the Austin Power movies that brought him fame. Vern Troyer was the diminutive clone to Mike Myers' Dr. Evil. At just two feet, eight inches, he was considered one of the shortest men in the world. But he also fought a lot of demons. The news of the actor's death was reported on his Facebook page this afternoon. The post reading, it is with great sadness and incredibly heavy hearts to write that Vern passed away today. A cause of death has not yet come out, but his Facebook page was telling as to what may have happened to the actor. Vern was also a fighter when it came to his own battles. Over the years, he struggled and won, struggled and won, struggled and fought some more, but unfortunately this time was too much. The news came about one year after Troyer had checked himself into a rehab program to try and overcome his struggles with alcoholism. The post on his Facebook announcing his passing seemed to point to some sort of recent battle with depression, saying depression and suicide are very serious issues. You never know what kind of battle someone is going through inside. Be kind to one another and always know it's never too late to reach out to someone for help. I took a pill in Ibiza To show Avicii I was cool And when I finally got sober Felt ten years older But fuck it, it was something to do I'm living out in L.A. I drive a sports car just to prove I'm a real big baller Cause I made a million dollars And I spend it on girls and shoes But you don't wanna be high like me Never really know a ride like me You don't ever want to step off that roller coaster and be all alone Avicii's family implies he died from an apparent suicide. The late DJ's family releases a new statement that seemingly offers more insight into his cause of death. Our beloved Tim was a seeker, a fragile artistic soul searching for answers to existential questions. He really struggled with thoughts about meaning, life, happiness. He could not go on any longer. He wanted to find peace. The statement continues, Tim was not made for the business machine he found himself in. He was a sensitive guy who loved his fans but shunned the spotlight. Avicii, whose real name was Tim Bergling, passed away on April 20th. I'm just a singer who already blew his shot. I get along with old timers cause my name's a reminder of a pop song people forgot. And I can't keep a girl, no. Cause as soon as the sun comes up, 
I cut them all loose and work's my excuse But the truth is I can't open up Now you don't wanna be high like me Never really knowing why like me You don't ever wanna step off that roller coaster And be all alone And you don't wanna ride the bus like this Never knowing who to trust like this You don't wanna be stuck up on that stage singing Stuck up on that stage singing Hey everyone. Since our last episode, Vern Troyer and Avicii uh, both look like they've committed suicide or at least have been dealing with mental problems. I believe in an open and honest community with everyone. Um, again, I don't believe in God. I'm not even 100% sure if karma exists. And um, the form of Buddhism that I've practiced for many years now believes in a Buddha called Amida Buddha. Um, in Japanese, that's A-M-I-D-A, Amida Buddha. And they believe in something called the Pure Land, which without going into too detail, let's just assume it's kind of like heaven. Um, I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know if it's any of it's a bunch of shit or if it's stuff that if there is something that happens after us. What I've always believed in in, in the last at least 20 years that I've been alive is I believed in mankind and all we have is each other in this. And I know that's some hippie, you know, love hipster, I don't know what you want to call it, but that's that's really what I believe. I believe in mankind. I think we can work together to do amazing things. And every time that something like this happens um, with suicide, um, I get different mixes of emotions from different people about how different people feel about suicide. I struggled with suicide and depression for most of my life. I've had family members that have committed suicide. I have had family members who have attempted suicide. To be honest, I still struggle with it today. Uh, But what keeps me sane is knowing that some of us love each other no matter what. Some of us love each other no matter what our religion. Some of us love each other no matter our financial status. Some Some of us love each other no matter if we're Republican or Democratic or whatever it is, they tear us apart. My mom's a right-wing Republican. I'm as far fucking left as you can get when it comes to a Democrat. But my mom would do anything for me, and I would do anything for my mom. And some of us, uh, in fact, a lot of us would help each other. A lot of us would go out on a limb for each other if other people were in need. And each of you have people that you know or don't know who probably would help you. And just being open and honest with people, I'm one of those people that'll help you. I promise that if anyone ever needs to talk, they can email me at jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y dot Quintanilla, Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-I-L-L-A at ageofradio.com. And I will call you within 24 hours. And and if, if you have suicidal thoughts and you need to talk. If you can't go the 24 hours, please call the suicide hotline. Um, the suicide hotline number is one eight zero zero 
273-8255. I've had to call it multiple times in my life. I'm not trained um, to talk about anybody or with anybody. I'm not a counselor or anything like that. It'd probably be better if you, you talk to someone at the suicide hotline, but I'll listen to you and make sure that someone gets to you for help. Um, someone cares for you and you may not see it at that exact moment, um, but it, it does, it can get better. And these things do get better um, if you work at them and you, and, and you get the help that you need. I believe the, the world's a terrible fucking shithole place. Um, in fact, the, a lot of Buddhism <laughs> texts talk about how terrible the, the world is. Um, lots of religions talk about how bad the world is. I believe that it's terrible. Um, but I also believe that it has a lot of great shit in it. Um, I, some of the stuff that are awesome are puppies. I love my dogs. Um, I'm allergic to cats, but I love kittens. I had my beautiful furry hamster. She's dead now. Um, that was terrible, but I got to experience time with her. Um, sex is awesome. You know, um, television's awesome. Podcasts are awesome. Working out's awesome. Um, medicine's awesome. It makes you feel better. You know, without medicine, I wouldn't be alive because I have diabetes. Um, music's the best thing that saved my life uh, tons of times. When I was in really hard times in my life, I would listen to Counting Crows, uh, Mr. Jones, um, off of the August and Everything After soundtrack. Um, that's helped me get through a bunch of shit. I'm sure all of you have had music that have helped you get through something. Um, that's why it's been so important to me ha- to have to have really good, inspiring music. I know a lot of people don't like punk rock as much as I do. And hopefully one day we grow and we can license all kinds of different music to be on these things. Um, uh, but uh, books are awesome. Um, my favorite book is, um, I can never say it properly and it's terrible of me, but Anna um, Karenina, um, which is by Leo Tolstoy, who did War and Peace. That's, that's my favorite book of all time. Um, Three Musketeers is an awesome book. Uh, there's tons of awesome books. Um, Ayn Rand writes some cool books. I don't believe in objectivism, but books are out there. Harry Potter's fun to read, Lord of the Rings. Um, there's awesome stories that people have to tell. You have an amazing story that, that would probably help a lot of people if you shared your story. Um, that's one of the reasons why podcasts are so important to me and impactful because they get us to share those stories. Um, children are awesome, I hear. I don't have any. Um, I like playing with them. I like going to Disneyland. Um, adults are sometimes fun. YouTube is awesome. Video games are awesome. Board games are awesome. Dungeons and Dragons is awesome. Dragons in general are pretty cool. You know, having friends sometimes is awesome. I'm going to say it again because Disneyland is amazing. Um, The list can go on. When you're in those depressive states and you have those thoughts, it's really hard to see the good shit through the horrible shit, but it's there. I promise it's there. Um, The sweet wouldn't taste as sweet without the sour. So you really just need to persevere. Um, People say that people throw I love you around a lot, but, but I love everyone. Everyone deserves a chance at life and everybody deserves to be loved and every being that's alive deserves to be loved. And and if you feel like you, you have a lot of shit going on in your life, just remember that some people care for you and you can contact me. I promise if you contact my email, I'll call you within 24 hours um, if you, or email you back within 24 hours. Um, and and I leave you with this, this one thing. Um, this is a, a Buddhist parable. I know this podcast is a little bit longer, 
but this is really important to me. <laughs> um, also, I think that if you're building a, a business and you're building a company, um, the profit and the shareholders, shareholders are everybody in the world, not just the people that invest in the company. Um, we, there's a lot of uh, social capital to give to people that companies can do a lot better with than the government can because they usually fight and bicker over shit because they can't even balance budgets. Um, but if you're a business, take stands on things and fight for the things that you believe in and make the world a better place. But I'll leave you with this. Um, this is a Buddhist parable uh, called the mustard seed. So Kisa had an only child. She had a very young son and that, child, that son had died. Unwilling to accept his death, she carried him from neighbor to neighbor and begged for someone to give her medicine to bring him back to life. One of her neighbors told her to go to Buddha, located nearby, and ask him if he had a way to bring her son back to life. Bringing the body of her son with her, Kisa found Buddha and pleaded with him to help bring her son back to life. He instructed her to go back to her village and gather mustard seeds from the households of those who have never been touched by death. From those mustard seeds, he promised he would create a medicine to bring her son back to life. Relieved, she went back to her village and began asking her neighbors for mustard seeds. All of her neighbors were willing to give her mustard seeds, but they all told her that their households had been touched by death. They told her, the living are few, but the dead are many. As the day became evening and then turned to night, she was still without any of the mustard seeds that she had been instructed to collect. She realized then the universality of death. According to the Buddhist verse, her story comes from this. The Buddha says, Dear girl, the life of mortals in this world is troubled and brief and inseparable from suffering. For there is not any means, nor will there ever be, by which those that have been born can avoid dying. All living beings are of such a nature that they must die, whether they reach old age or not. As early ripening fruits are in danger of falling, so mortals when born are always in danger of dying. Just as the earthen vessels made by the potter end in shards, so is the life of mortals, both young and old. Both those who are foolish and those who are wise all fall in the power of death, all are subject to death. Of those who depart from this life, overcome by death, a father cannot save his son, nor relatives their kinsfolk. While relatives are looking on and laminating, one by one the mortals are carried off like oxen to the slaughter. People die, and their fate after death will be according to their deeds. So are the terms of the world. Not from weeping nor from grieving will anyone obtain peace of mind. On the contrary, his pain will be all the greater, and he will ruin his health. He will make himself sick and pale, but dead bodies cannot be restored by his lamentation. Now that you have heard the... Buddha, Kisa, reject grief. Do not allow it to enter your mind. Seeing one dead, know for sure. I shall never see him again in this existence. And just as the fire of a burning house is quenched, so does the contemplative wise person scatter grief's power 
expertly, swiftly, even as in the wind scatters cotton seed. He who seeks peace should pull out the arrow lamentations, useless longings, and the self-made pangs of grief. He He who has removed his unwholesome arrow and has calmed himself will obtain peace of mind. Verily, he who has conquered grief will always be free from grief, sane and immune, confident, happy, and close to nirvana, I say. Kisa entered the first stage of enlightenment from her experience. She decided to become a disciple of Buddha's and went on to become the first um, female. um, It's called an arahant. I think I'm saying that right but a female um, priestess, essentially. Um, So the reason why I mentioned that story and the reason why I leave you with it is that one of the points that I take away from that is that everyone's experienced the same things as everyone else. So even though you're hurting and you've experienced something, somewhere, somewhere in this world, someone's experienced the same thing because we're all connected. That's where this concept of um, um, interconnectedness comes from with Buddha, is that when we do something, something else is is affected by it. And, and we're all linked together through that and through those experiences because everybody's experienced the same thing at some point in time in some form. So just remember that, that all of this shit, someone else has experienced, someone else has made it through, and make sure that you get the help that you need and feel free to call me or email me and I'll call you. Check you later.